Welcome, welcome. This is a uh, another another try at the just get something out in the mornings kind of thing. Um, I'm going to try to do it every day this week, at least four out of the five days, and then uh, and then reassess afterwards. Uh, this is uh, Cass and Comics, the morning comic book check-in. My name is Chris Sarda. Find me at Cass and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. And hey, this is really just a potpourri thing. I have this uh, idea where I want, I like, I like, like the reviews to be very focused. Uh, I do like doing those lightning round things. They they seem to be more more popular with the people. Um, you know, all like fifty views I get. But um, you know, I like to give the full five minutes and think through um, reviews. But in this case, you know, I just wanted to see how it worked out if uh, I just talked and, um, you know, said some of the things that I probably say on Twitter or Instagram anyway throughout the day and, and maybe just uh, say them here and see how that goes. Uh, and, um, you know, it'll be a big mix. It'll be comics, especially when I get a whole bunch read. I will definitely be talking about comics here. So in that sense, it'll be a little bit of a lightning round comic review thing occasionally, but also just all the stuff that's happening in, in my mind and the culture that uh, I want to talk about or, or see or talk to you guys about um, especially. So uh, I'll hop in. I think this would be a shorter one. I'm trying to get these all under half an hour. Uh, but uh, yeah, so a few things I'm going to talk about today. The uh, Diamond Retailer Summit, uh, which is, you know, could be meaningless. Who knows? Uh, the big two aren't there anymore. So uh, that, that matters, right? That matters. Uh, and uh, What If is coming out in like an hour from when I'm recording this. So when you guys are watching this, some of you have already will have watched what, oh no, wait a second, it's Monday. I'm like, it's coming out in 25 hours, but uh, maybe preview the new one. And uh, we just saw, we just watched the last two on, on Saturday. So we missed a week and then we watched uh, Homeboy Thor. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Star Wars Visions. I haven't really started that, but I think What If and Star Wars Visions sort of have the same concept, the same idea, you know, and um, and it's something uh, pretty refreshing. And then, uh, and then um, I'll talk about a comic. I actually have a few comics that I've picked up, but maybe I'll wait for those tomorrow. You know, like there's few things to talk about those um, that either I picked up or I've read or I thought was interesting enough to show. Um, but I only got through one comic today. Like I said, the kid is has bronchitis. I stayed home from work. Uh, well, I worked, but I worked from home with the kid. And, uh, and so I didn't, I didn't read too much. Um, not that when I'm at work, I can read, right. But I, I can read at lunch or whatever. I'm not taking care of or, or worrying about getting something done while I'm taking care of the kid. Uh, but let's, uh, let's start right off. Let's uh, go to this, uh, very good, uh, review of what happened. This is on a uh, comic beat comics beat.com. So this is a, actually a pretty good website. And uh, I want to make sure that Heidi McDonald gets uh, the shout out here. She has been to uh, a number of Diamond Retail Summits, as, as, uh, as she says in the article, which you can go find. I'll put the link in the description below, but we'll go through, through a lot of it. So you should just click the link so that she gets a click. Um, this is, uh, you know, I've worked with lots of CFOs and CEOs uh, across the board from very small companies to very, very big companies. And uh, this guy looks like, this is uh, uh, Stan Geppi, I think his name is, uh, Steve Geppi. Sorry, this is the CEO of Diamond, and he looks like the dude that takes my order at Midas when I'm like going to get my oil change in my car. 
um, looked at. But uh, he's the CEO of of Diamond. I thought it was a whole family that ran it, so I might be wrong about that. Um, or the CEO might be a different person. And uh, and they're going to talk about comics here too. But I think what's uh, I think one one place to start is that uh, Steve Geppi here spoke and. Uh, Heidi says that nothing, nothing too newsworthy was said, but of course, of course, um, well, Diamond had a ba banner year, but uh, he wishes that he could tell everyone about the new and exciting projects, and uh, and who knows what that means for Diamond? I mean, new and exciting stuff coming out when you lost Marvel and you lost DC in the last year, and you've. You, I mean, you also lost IDW, I guess, too. Uh, but nothing much happened. And uh, you you know that there's, like, BS going on when they explain to you who they're working with. And it's Chase and a big law firm and PricewaterhouseCooper. Like, that's just not very, not very relevant, to be honest. So, um, you know, Diamond falling off a little bit isn't a big deal to me. I think that they're going to be around just much smaller. And, hey... To be honest, maybe they'll be able to pay attention to um, the smaller uh, companies that are uh, that publish with them now. You know, so half the book used to be DC and and Marvel, and now um, Image is going to be their biggest retail uh, retailer in in previews, and maybe some of these other ones that were you know stuck in the back green pages will now get a little bit more a little bit more focus, uh, more interviews, more space for ads and stuff. So the fact that Diamond has co um, contracted uh, is, is meaningless to me as a reader. And uh, and in fact, what happens is when something like, you know, when you get an article like this, it might have been filled with a lot of Marvel and DC stuff. It might have been so big that you had, would have to do Marvel and DC alone. Um, but instead, you, you get a little bit of focus on, on uh, some of the other semi-large ones like Aftershock, AWA. I'm surprised that image wasn't mentioned here at all. But... Um, yeah, let's get started. So there is a, you know, there's a, uh, there is a, a thing to, I guess this works here. There is a, a movement to just reinforce that the comic publishing business is fine, right? And, and a lot of it truly is manga and uh, young adult stuff. So like the dog things and, um, and Hegelmeyer and stuff like that. Nonetheless, a lot of creators get in fights with like right-wingy types, like comics geeks types on Twitter and whatnot about uh, about how the strength of the comic book market. And then that right-winger guy always goes, you know, but that's manga. You're taking into account manga. You're taking into account Rene Hegelmeyer or whatever, right? Um, and not that that guy doesn't have a point, but uh, a lot of these companies have have reported an increase in, in uh, revenue or sales uh, compared to 2019. Of course, 2020 is a, is, a, is a black hole for a lot of them. So it would be the best if, if you're doing any kind of like financial analysis now, 2020 is going to be like sort of the bane of your existence for the next few years. Because anytime you do like five-year, uh, five, you know, running five-year averages or something, obviously 2020 is going to really knock that off. But uh, they compared 2019 to 2021, and sales are up 37%. I mean, if you just count, if you just see what one though one aftershock comic 
number one, that is now $499. Um, cost compared to the $399 version, that's about 25%. So just, just selling those, if it didn't affect unit sales or affected unit sales very low, um, just that is the vast majority of it. And there's a couple of us that always mention that we don't buy Aftershock. Uh, number ones because we don't like the 499 price tag for a 20 page comic 22 pages at most but a lot of those are just 20 pages and to charge us another dollar for the cardstock and it feels like they started putting the cardstock on later uh, issues also which implies that it sort of worked that people just paid for it anyway um despite that happening i suspect that uh that a lot of people that are buying like stacks of comics and stuff uh don't pay attention to that extra dollar and, uh, and I would say that is, my guess is that is the reason for the, the sales increase that, uh, that Aftershock had. I mean, they couldn't put out more books. Um, I don't know that it was better quality necessarily, but, um, but there was a price increase, uh, per unit price increase, which definitely matters. Um, so if we come down here to Aftershock, the, um, you know, it was a 37% increase. And I'm really, I was really surprised by one of the books that they said um, that they said was driving the uh, the sales. So We Live does not surprise me by Inaki and Roy Miranda, and they were someone you know that was a couple of brothers that were interviewed widely in our in the uh, in the community. Uh, a lot of good people interviewed them, um, and then the other one is is Bunny Mask, and that one surprised me, and and. A, among my group of people, there was definitely a lot of bunny mask um, fandom, but uh, but it didn't feel like it just you know you know sold like crazy and everyone was reading it. Uh, but according to their uh, interview in the retailer summit, that was the case. Um, my feeling is still like dark arc and animosity are their huge sellers, but I mean that might be wrong. Um, so and uh, the good news is that they are both they are both returning in uh, 2022, and you're gonna get uh, We Live. It's going to be uh, a new title called uh, Era of the Palladians, which is uh, I'm gonna go with We Live. I'm gonna continue to read it. I I loved. I was one of those people that loved the entire book for We Live. Definitely felt like a a new version of Miyazaki. Um, like Princess Mononoke type stuff, uh, but the end a little turned me off a little bit. But I trust it enough. I think they did it a good enough story that I can bite my lip and, and continue to read it. Um, but I am one of the people that was more disappointed with it. And Bunny Mask was really weird. I I accidentally skipped some of these later issues. I have one and two and maybe three. I can't remember now. Um, but it was really weird and really fun. And for that to come back would be interesting. Hopefully, there's like some explanation about. Uh, what happened there. So, and then uh, after that, um, you know, they didn't really, nothing really got, they didn't really say anything that was uh, massively interesting um, as far as what's coming out. Now, this is Chicken Devil. That does look cool. This is something I would hold back on buying because I don't know Brian Busoletto very well, but um, it seems something wacky enough that it might work for me. And, and then a couple other things that uh, could or couldn't, you know, it depends. You know, Colin Bunn writes a whole bunch of stuff. My Date with Monsters, 
Uh, Miskatonic, I meant to get this trade and I did not pre-order it. So now I have to go probably look for it. And then a lot of people love Maniac in New York. This one's called Bronx is Burning. I heard mixed things about the ending of it. So a few, uh, a few returning uh, and sequels in the Aftershock world. Um, and next up is uh, Heidi only covers three here. Three, uh, or she covers more than three publishers, but I'm only going to talk about three publishers. Um, the next up she talked about was AWA. So Not All Robots is doing well. That's great. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. And then uh, for those, I know some people were reading Telepaths and Knighted didn't sound that interesting to me. But um, this real star of the, AW, uh, the AWA world is John Lee to me. And John Lee was in the initial wave of AWA books. And he did Hotel, but spelled Hotel like hell, H-E, with two L's at the end. And that was one of the better anthologies. And shh, I liked it. I liked it better than Ice Cream Man. That's hard to say because there's only four issues, right? And there's definitely a bunch of Ice Cream Man issues I love. So, you know, Ice Cream Man's done it more consistently over the 25, 26. But, I mean, Hotel was tight, scary, weird, uh, great art, interesting art. And, uh, and I thought it was done really well. So Hotel is coming back. There's going to be a Hotel 2. Hopefully they just keep the same number of L's in the title. Uh, and then uh, the next thing that looked crazy interesting to me, and I put this on Twitter last night, is The Crimson Cage. So this is also by John Lees. And in my mind, he won this. Uh, you know, he won the uh, uh, this article, at least. And so, I mean, does a wrestling book seem that interesting to me? Uh, no, although I think wrestling sort of fits uh, comics pretty well. Uh, there's been a couple wrestling books out there that have been fun. Um, but this one's Crimson Cage, and this is how they described it here. Uh, it is a retelling of Macbeth set in the 19, in 1980s Southern wrestling territor territories. Even uh, Heidi over here says, okay, sold. Uh, what's even crazier about this a little bit is that John Lees is very British. I always feel like wrestling is the thing I got to explain to other cultures, um, like professional wrestling. But John Lees is writing Crimson Cage, uh, something by a Macbeth retelling. And uh, Macbeth is easily the most retold Shakespeare story, um, right behind Romeo and Juliet, of course. And um, I'm curious, I mean, this grabbed me, the cover is awesome, and uh, it grabbed me too. So my, my favorite Shakespeare character is definitely Lady Macbeth for the way she goes crazy, feels, you know, how evil she is, and then her descent into madness, essentially. And uh, so I'm curious how that works in to uh, the Southern wrestling um, territory, Macbeth based in the Southern wrestling territories. It's a, it's a real stretch. Now, last, uh, the last one I'm going to talk about before we move on here is Mad Cave. And um, Mad Cave is, Great. I mean, since they've come out, they've put up uh, a lot of great stuff and, uh, and you know, gave a chance to a lot of great uh, creators. Um, shout out to Villainous and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like Mad Cave was the reason I didn't read all of Mad Cave is I just wanted to spend that money, that much money, essentially. And, uh, but I enjoyed everything I read. And it's, you know, much like AWA, it's put together by a lot of uh, a few comic. Um, you know, veterans that know sort of know what they're doing and they uh, figured out how to, you know, publish comics 
uh, on a real small scale. And I, I'm sure they hope that eventually some of these uh, get much bigger and uh, pay off uh, in a different way so that they continue to make comics. Um, but I, I didn't love what I read um, here for what's coming. Oh yeah, see, there's way more than five. There's Dynamite that I don't even want to talk about. Panther, who gives a shit? Hell Sonya, I guess that sounds okay. I mean, what's the over-under on covers for Hell Sonya number one, 38? Um, uh, but let's jump over to Mad Cave. Now, uh, that, there are um, six bullet points there, and not one of these comics sound interesting in the least. Like, they all, they all sound terrible. And hey, maybe they're going to end up being great. But uh, the last session, a group of friends reunite to finish a D&D &D session session which gets interrupted by a newcomer oh okay and we're going to do six issues of this or what speed republic in a dystopic this is almost like a april fool's joke uh, in a dystopic future people struggle to win a race i mean they're not going to be racing to get this off the shelf obsidian tomb a prison drama um maybe that's great uh, I don't know what to tell you about that. There's not enough there. You know, a prison drama, that sounds whatever. Potions, Inc., a young potion maker. Uh, does that even sentence make sense? A young potion maker, time from another world, travels to Seattle in 1992 to save his world. Uh, so, I mean, there's probably going to be some grunge mix in there. And then uh, Nightmare in Savannah, high school drama, complicated by fairy blood. So I don't know. None, none of that sounds great to me. And then, you know, the Maverick, uh, some kid, a kid's line, which I've heard about uh, for a while now. So who knows how that's going to work out. World class, a teenaged Colombian soccer star goes to Europe to play on a junior team and must adapt to his new setting. That's deep. Good game, well played. Saving a video game store from landlord troubles. So as great as Mad Cave has been, uh, either that is a, either that list of books is a, when I was reading them, I was like, there's got to be one that I could say, well, I'm going to buy one for sure. But that list of books sounds terrible. Like they need to, they need to find someone to rewrite their, their copy, um, or at least like a, do a mini solicit there because not one of those uh, sounded interesting to me at all. Um, so that was the, that was the Diamond Retail Summit. And, you know, it matters for the simple fact that Diamond uh, has gotten much smaller now that they lost IDW. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess they lost Marvel and DC also. So uh, it does matter. Uh, but I think it could be meaningful to people that really don't give a shit about um, the state of the comic industry because it's big enough now that it's it's not going to disappear as far as me buying stuff. I mean, I care about my retail stores and stuff like that, but there's some, there's, there's a point too, where I see the people that own my shops and the people that work there and be like, maybe you'd be better off. Like you feel like you have this cushy job that doesn't pay that well, but it's cool. Maybe you'd be better off if you had a bad three months cause you got laid off and then you went and found a better job. But, um, but no, I don't want them to lose their jobs, and I'm happy. One one comic store I go to, the guy has, had just gotten sick of living working in casinos, and he just wanted to do something different. And he opened a comic shop, and he loves it. And he tells me every, he tells me every time I go in there, there's no way you're going to get rich doing this, but it's better than where he worked. So, um, 
So let's get into a little bit of, of comic-ish television. So two big shows. Well, one has been on now five or six weeks, which is What If, right? Uh, and uh, and then uh, Star Wars Visions also came out on Disney+. Plus, and uh, they dropped like 15 episodes, even though they're not very long episodes. Uh, they still dropped 15. And those are the two big. I know there's Frozen, the princesses. But as far as like things I care about and that you know, show up on my YouTube stream. It, um, Star Wars and Marvel are it. They're the big ones, right? So um, so it's interesting that they both put out series that uh, are lo loosely or completely not canon at all. And, um, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, I really, I'm really happy with that decision for the simple fact that those are both, those properties are both so big that, uh, that as you continue to add stories and the timeline here and there, that you, uh, you know, you, you start to get really, you start to have a lot fewer choices and you narrow down a lot of the creativity that can happen uh, when you have to work in with such a tight continuity, right? Like the, the stuff with Spider-Man is done. We have to accept that Spider-Man is uh, a, a doesn't have the same type of origin that he does in the comics or in the prior movies. That uh, you know he's more attached to the Avengers and a little bit more his suit might be a little bit more technologically advanced and whatnot. Um, you know, and his connection to Iron Man and Iron Man's death is much stronger. It's something like you have to you have to accept. You can dislike it, but it would be like too crazy of a retcon. Um, although he was Spider-Man before he met Tony Stark. So there's always a, there's always an option to do a prequel there. But, uh, but that's just an example of how like narrow continuity can be. And when you get something like what if you can do just so many crazy things with it, you can do a zombie episode. Uh, you can do really heart touching stuff like the Dr. Strange episode, or you could do what happened last week and uh, do a play on, do a play on hangover with Thor. And uh, I think episode two was really lighthearted. Maybe it was one. It was the one where Thanos is like drinking with everyone. He's like, uh, he just has some crazy beliefs. He's your buddy. You know, he was your, your, your one buddy that like never voted before, but voted for Trump or whatever. He's like, ah, oh, we should just still kill everyone. It was a great idea. And uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so that was lighthearted, that one. And uh, so we went back to going lighthearted after like zombie episodes and you know, sad Doctor Strange episodes and whatnot. And this one was really silly. And, and, and okay, it fits a little bit from Thor Love and Thunder because that was uh, an upbeat, sort of funny, wacky sort of, uh, sort of film. But, you know, this is to the point where, you know, the cameos in there and everyone's drinking and partying, this was to the point where it was just explicitly a, uh, a comedy. Um, but then... Uh, then, uh, at the end, it looked like it might get serious and I, and it confirmed this week with the poster that that ending, uh, will continue on this week. And, uh, so I'm going to spoil it, but it's not that big of a spoiler. So after a whole bunch of silliness and it was funny and it was enjoyable and you should watch it. Um, you know, Thor learns his lesson, gets his hand slapped. Uh, Captain Marvel puts him, Captain Marvel and his mother puts him on, on the right path going forward. 
Uh, but then the episode ends with some version of Ultron Vision. Uh, in um, some version of Ultron Vision showing up, uh, you know, seemingly about to take over the world. So I don't know. I'm not really get how they're going to make that. Uh, you know how they're going to jump from you know the part two to not be silly, but we'll see. We'll see. And I guess uh, Thursday night, Thursday morning, or maybe Friday morning, if I haven't gotten completely sick of this, I will be talking about that too. But overall, what if is it's throwaway, but it's just so much fun, and it gives a real opportunity for writers and directors and stuff to be creative within the context of the MCU without like having to adhere so closely to the to the uh the continuity and on the same token that's what Star Wars Visions is and it looks like none of these are really in continuity uh maybe some of them can sort of fit and I really just started uh Star Wars Visions and I and I like it a lot but I've watched two episodes so I'll talk more about them next week probably but um you know, it's definitely in the tweener box because you get this situation, and I, it feels like I've I've seen this. Like people, complain. Star Wars fans are the worst anyway, but uh, it feels like I've seen this where it seems like it might be too Star Wars for anime fans or too anime for Star Wars fans. And I've talked about that before that sometimes being in between is a bad thing for marketing. But then again, these are shorts and they're fun, and it's a chance to see. Uh, working manga directors and writers and artists uh, get their their say with Star Wars without having to fit in this you know thin continuity. So I've only watched two. They were completely different. And uh, the first one's called The Duel. And the reason The Duel is interesting is because uh, Star Wars is very influenced by uh, The Hidden Fortress from uh, Kurosawa. I'm like halfway through that. I tried. To, I started watching that about two weeks ago, and I do, and I enjoy it. I want to watch a lot more Kurosawa. I need to watch uh, a lot more of a few older directors for sure. Um, but Kurosawa is a little bit difficult, right? Because I have to be paying attention because the subtitles um, right now, as you heard me complain to my kid earlier, it's harder to, to do subtitles. Um, but uh, it is interesting because it, so even though Star Wars is, is very influenced by that Kurosawa, Kurosawa film, um, this short leans more uh, Kurosawa than it does Star Wars, to be honest, um, like Seven Samurai even. And uh, it was really good. Animation was beautiful. Uh, it was uh, directed by, uh, I wrote these down because of course I would never know, Takanobu Mizuno, who's done a Mega Man anime. And it was written by um, uh, Takashi uh, Okaza Okazaki. And he's uh, important in our world, uh, for those of you that have watched Batman Ninja, uh, that's on HBO Max. And that was something I tried to put in the background too, and it looks so freaking cool that I, you know, I stopped it 15 or 20 minutes in and, uh, and didn't come back to it. And then it is, a, it is um, I guess, animated by uh, Kamikaze... Uh, Duga, who's famous for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, this one was real good. Of the two, this is the one I actually liked. And it was, uh, it felt like just classic Japanese cinema in a Star Wars context. So nothing special in that sense. But the animation was beautiful. It was, a, a, you know, mostly black and white with some color where they sort of fit in color in certain areas. 
and fight scenes are wonderful. The second uh, one I did not like at all, Tatooine Rhapsody it was called. And that was, you know, theoretically what I just said, and I gave you this whole speech about, oh, there's a chance for them to be creative and do different things. And, you know, what if can be uh, funny or it could be very serious. Tatooine Rhapsody was lighthearted, um, but uh, the animation was too, I forgot with Chibi. So it was the, you know, the uh, little dwarf looking kind of uh, drawings and, um, you know, Boba Fett looks sort of silly. He looked like a pop doll a little bit. And so there's a little bit of action with Boba Fett, but then the, the premise of it is, is that a, uh, a hut, you know, leaves the hut world to go become a rock star and then he's going to get killed. And then they, and then they save him with music. And it's the song at the end is the worst song I've ever heard. I mean, it's not. It's what I expect from anime music. So sometimes when you're watching anime, you'll hear the theme song and it'll be in Japanese and then it'll just switch to English and it won't make that much sense, you know. And uh, this song was all in English and none of it, you know, it just, I guess it made sense. It was just uh, uh, really silly. So it's not something I'd, I'd go back to, but I think it has... I also didn't love, I should talk about this also, but I also didn't love the Batman on Webtoon. I thought, you know, it was just a little bit too kiddy for me. Not that I need everything adult and grimdark, but, you know, they're fighting over like a cookie or something. And that this episode seems to me be more for that crowd. Someone would really like it. Uh, they just want like a lighthearted, more Star Wars um, cartoon in a sense. So uh, I'm not going to cut it down, but it was written by Yasumi Adarashi, who did... Um, Blood Wing Asylum, but doesn't have very many other credits in the uh, thing called the internet. And Taku Kimura, who is the director, but looks like more famous uh, for voice acting. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure I talk about those. Um, I'll probably be talking about What If or whatever Marvel show comes out, at least in, in one of these. Uh, and then Star Wars, you know, I love Star Wars and oh, there's a lot of TV shows coming out. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about Star Wars, though, is just the way people uh, that love Star Wars actually hate it. So that's always fun. So look for like the, the Star Wars world's reaction and then we can laugh at it together. Hey, and I'm going to end with uh, this. This is a indirect rec uh, recommendation from uh, D. Piercy's Comics. He'll, his uh, address will be below there. And you guys should go check that out. And also from Damien at Sleepy Reader 666. Pretty sure that uh, if you're on this channel, you know who Damien is. Um, but uh, I'll put his address there too, just in case. And this is uh, Lester, Lester of the Lesser Gods. Now, both Damien and Dan are um, big, are not big goon fans, but they both really like the goon. And they're, you know, when I hear them talk about it, I often go, well, I got to get into the goon, you know, and it doesn't seem like it's too tough. I, they really didn't seem like they were in my library. Maybe they're on Hoopla. I can go there. But yeah, the goon is also from Eric Powell, something I feel like I want to read in print. But then uh, when I heard them both talk about Lester of the Lesser Gods, and they both, I think Damien had it number one, and Dan clearly thought it was the best of, of the week that he had read, or at least enough that he was going to talk about it. You know, I was... I go, okay, I, I got it off eBay. So I actually, you know, paid shipping, in fact, a little bit on top of it. So um, I didn't go search for it or anything. I knew I would have forgotten. I wanted to read it. Two people are really respecting the community, uh, rated it highly. And so I picked it up. And it is funny. Now, Dan said he hasn't laughed out loud in a comic. 
very much. I wouldn't say this made me laugh out loud, laugh out loud, but it was, you know, it has this, you know, funny and um, just, just silliness that's super enjoyable. And so this guy is a, uh, Odin's illegitimate son. Um, you know, his mom is just picking up women or dudes at a bar and Odin happens to go in and, and does it. And then, you know, 36 years later, this guy comes out, has a little bit of uh, this is the end feel because the world comes to an end and he has to go save everyone uh, meets Odin. And there's a real opening. It seems to have been popular with the people who read it. Uh, there's a real opening to continue with it. And I would love to continue with this, to be honest, um, because I've just, you know, I've, I know about Eric Powell tangentially from other people. And, um, and like I said, I just haven't gotten into the goon yet, but uh, for something that I can just grab new and, and continue to grab, I mean, this character seems like, um, you know, he seems like a lot of things. Seems like uh, Dio, Jack Black, maybe a little bit of Napoleon Dynamite built in. And then of course, um, you know, the sort of Thor Norse character he's making fun of. So um, if that happened, I would probably jump on it because I really did enjoy this. And uh, I don't mind that I paid the extra two two bucks or three bucks for shipping or whatever. Anyway, uh, went a little long, uh, three minutes longer than I wanted to. So I'm going to end this. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Um, thank you guys for supporting this. I just uh, feel like getting this kind of thing uh, done at least for a week. And then I'll see, you know, where it, where it lands me and how much time I actually have to do it. Uh, hopefully the preparation will be a little bit easier once I get it sort of uh, in uh, in the right box. So I will see you guys later. Uh, have a great morning. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, thank you for staying to the end. And uh, that's it, my friends.